and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This is Irreverent, Faith and Current Affairs. Welcome back, everyone, to Irreverent Faith and Current Affairs, to Church of England Revs shooting the shizzle. Not allowed to say bad words on this podcast, Tom, because it's a family-friendly podcast. Uh, Jamie Franklin and Tom Pelham. Tom, you're back after several weeks away. Uh, it's, great it's been a long time. To see you. Oh, it's good to be back, Jamie. I'd always forgotten I did this irreverent thing. Uh, <laughs> no, you could never forget, Tom. Such no, a central, know, such a central part of your life. Um, it's. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a combination of you moving the data around when I couldn't do it and then not moving the right data around when I couldn't do it, if you see what I mean. So there's one we, you recorded on a Thursday or something. I can't remember. Anyway, I've also been off. And then last week I had an operation. So uh, I'm rather um, in, in recovery from that still. Um, yeah. how, how, the, serious, how serious, just to help our... So I had... You know, how uh, serious? Two, are, you, are you dying? Are you, you know, no, no, basically no. the same uh, as normal? Or where are you in that scale? I've suffered from polyps for years. Uh, in fact, I was going to have a polypectomy uh, in sort of May 2020, but, uh, you know, the government shut the NHS down. Uh, I don't know if you remember. Uh, <laughs> oh, vague, vague recollection. Yeah. And so um, there, uh, that, that sort of stopped that sort of surgery, minor surgery, failure routine um, to remove benign growths from the sinuses, yeah. and um which are associated with as asthmatics uh, and other things as well but it's sort of it's quite common to get the two together uh and so i had that operation finally uh, and they also did what's known as a um, septoplasmy which where they straighten the septum which is the the, the bit between the nostrils yeah. which uh for whatever reason uh, wasn't very straight those two things should improve my breathing improve my sense of smell which has been very poor for many years um and thus my sense of taste uh and also uh so it kind of made you when you've got serious polyps you, you get very um affected by head colds and stuff all the time because there's just it's not nothing drains properly oh right anyway uh so it, it doesn't look like major surgery but actually i've had relative well not major but you know a significant amount of surgery done inside my nose uh, and all the way up to my uh, sinuses which is very sore if you ever imagine what it would like to have someone rummage around in there with a sharp knife uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the um so the the uh so i'm still in recovery actually it's uh it's amazing you, you don't really realize how um how major a thing it is until you try and do something and then run out of energy when you're sort of, you know, you're doing minor things. So if I completely run out of energy, um, that's yeah. what's happened. Uh, yeah, you, you uh, might have to abandon the podcast. I think yeah. if, if Tom just disappears or or indeed just passes out or something. Oh, I hope to. Oh, expecting, well, yeah, anyway, I that won't happen. I'm off, I'm off, I'm off, I'm off the, the serious painkillers now. So I'm, I'm just on paracetamol and ibuprofen. But I was, yeah. they did give me the, uh, the, the maximum strength codeine. Oh, yeah, that, that, that does which, make you um, quite sleepy, doesn't it? I, it does. I, yeah, basically, I would take a take a take a dose and then, then fall asleep on the sofa for two hours and then uh, <laughs> wake up. Um, yeah. So that was actually sounds quite nice. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm just I'm basically just relaxing and um, resting. So, cool. Yeah. 
Well, that's good. That's good. Um, well, I'm pleased that you've come through the operation okay, Tom. And um, I hope, you know, that you're able to make it through the episode. But one of the things we could do is try to make the episode like not so epic. So we've we've selected a few a few stories, which are quite interesting. And um, I, I guess one of the right. themes for this week might be that, um, I well, it's sort of a, a turning point in the history of Reverend in some ways, because um, uh, I'm about to move to a new city, uh, about to go um, part time as a vicar. And start actually working on this podcast, uh, at least with some of the the spare time that that I'll have as a result. I'm, I'm hoping to do a couple of other things as well, but um, that's a really exciting thing because hopefully we're going to be able to see the podcast kind of move into a new a new sphere. But um, it's been a, an amazing journey so far, and I think we're gonna we're gonna reflect on 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 it a bit more in our uncolored podcast later hopefully if tom if you're still conscious by that point but um i think one of the things we're going to do is we're going to talk about a lot of the themes that uh, really started off this podcast um particularly to do with um the lockdowns and everything that's going on there and we're also going to discuss laura dodsworth really interesting article about trying to go back to the church of england and her sort of criticism of the church of england um uh, in terms of its response to the COVID situation, but in many other many other things where we'd we'd have a lot of sympathy with what she's saying. So I think a lot of the themes that we've discussed from the very beginning are going to come up on this episode. So it'd be kind of so, interesting. It's, it's wonderful to wonderful to read that actually, because um, you know I've always got a sense that Laura. I think I think she's actually her dad was a vicar, wasn't it? But you know, obviously uh, when we spoke to her, she was very adamant that she wasn't you know a church goer. She didn't have faith. Uh, she wasn't you know really interested in exploring that with us when we, when we interviewed her was she you know um i don't, I don't in, know i mean I, well, think she's, I think she's open to talking about it yeah but not, i'm not sure was her dad a vicar or was he some kind of like baptist minister or something i don't know i don't know some sort of minister anyway, but, sorry, uh, sorry i didn't mean to interrupt but it's, it's really hard to see her sort of uh, exploring that again um well she, yeah. yeah 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 partly also it's a shame well, isn't it she's, a shame. <laughs> well i mean she needs to choose a better church didn't she yeah, talking yeah. of which we should talk about our little church find shouldn't we? Have yeah, we talked about yeah. it yet? that's one of the that's one of the notices for today yeah so our church search is getting up there we've got uh quite a few churches on there now so basically to, just to, do Sorry. To sort out issues like Laura, where you go, you, you sort of t- you, you fire up your courage. You've never been to church before. You go to your local Church of England church because you think that's where I want to start. And you turn up there and you discover that actually it is a woke hellhole. Uh, <laughs> um, then it doesn't, uh, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't meet your spiritual needs it doesn't um, meet your spiritual needs uh they talk about climate more than they talk about christ they talk about um uh sort of social uh social justice more than they talk about heavenly justice uh don't fear don't don't just go there check yeah. first yeah if there's a local irreverent yeah. friendly church yeah. yeah it's a much more polemic polemic notice than i was i was <laughs> i was planning on doing but yeah no quite right so yeah go to a reverend uh, reverend click on church finder and then you'll see there there's a map and the map has little dots on it well they're not dots they're boxes and they they are um locations and descriptions if you click on them of churches that people who listen to the podcast have have sent in so basically the way it works people fill out a form which is on the same page to suggest a church that comes through to us we just have a look at it check it out and uh, if it's all in order we just stick it on the map so there's only very very lightly lightly light editing so if it, that this hasn't happened yet but if somebody wrote something you know uh, obscene we wouldn't put it on and also i'm just a little bit careful like some people have said oh the priest thinks this or the priest has this opinion and a couple of those i've just lightly edited because i'm not sure sometimes you know as a priest you only you know, you don't necessarily want all your views um put out there in public so i've just done a bit of light editing on one or two 
Uh, but basically, they just go straight up. So they're not us. There are other people recommending them who listen to the Except podcast. for Daniel. Daniel seems to have written his own. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, I've, yeah, <laughs> and I've actually put my current um, church up as well. Yeah, yeah. you should you should put yours up as well, Tom. Well, but, I was but, hoping that someone, someone else would. You know, that's, that's the... <laughs> okay, well, yeah, well, okay. Well, that's, I guess that's your, it's your sort of administrative to do then in that case, uh, if, it doesn't, if it doesn't happen organically. But it's like it's like a uh, it's like a trip advisor for churches but there aren't negative reviews it's just it's just positive reviews so uh, i have got about another 20 to put up it's just it just takes a little bit of time um so there are there are about i reckon about 20 up there already and uh, there's there's one international one in new zealand currently but we can the map does go all over the world so we can do um, international churches as well um so basically the question the main question people have to answer is um let's see uh what would irreverent listeners appreciate about this church so if you go to a church and there's a there's you've got a good answer to that for your church then do go to irreverentpod.com and click on church finder and you can do that uh, and that will be really good i think that'll be a great resource for people going forward hopefully um i just wanted also to say thank you to people who have uh, bought us coffees on buy me a coffee because we often don't mention that but people leave um nice um nice messages so lots of people just saying thank you for the uh podcast uh love the podcast keep them going etc uh, somebody's written to contribute next winter to the heating bill in Jamie's shed. I'm actually not going to have a shed anymore. I'm going to be inside. My office will be inside. Uh, Jamie, really enjoy your show. Just listen to Uncollared Five and Cancellation. Keep up God's work and your mission. This is quite. This is a. This is a good one uh, here. Uh, hi, Jamie, Tom, and Daniel. I'm just this, Catherine. I'm just sorry I haven't added to your pot sooner. I very much enjoy your conversations, and you stop me from walking away from the Church of England. I'm a church warden, and I get so depressed by the amount of pointless bureaucracy, particularly compulsory safeguarding, which is my particular dislike. We have to look after our buildings and support our clergy aided by increasingly small congregations rather than support us the cve bangs on about blm safeguarding and human resources keep up the good work i just heard jamie on nick diction show oh you know and then she just says some nice stuff about that which i won't i won't read out but thank you thank you kathy that's that's really really kind um really kind and it's obviously something we hear quite a lot that sort of thing so uh, thank you. Thank you to everyone who bought us coffees. Um, and just to be clear about that, I haven't actually said this yet. Next week, I'm moving. You know, I and all my family have four children. So it's quite a big move. We're moving everything to Winchester, where I'm going to take up my new post. Uh, that move is going to take three days. So there's just no way that we can make an episode next week. So I'm sorry about that. It's just it's just impossible. It's just a week where we just can't make an episode. So you'll have to do without reverend for a whole week and um, uh, apologies there are other podcasts out there but won't be the same will it tom no uh, well i'm on holiday as well so i wouldn't even be able to do it anyway so yeah, okay, <laughs> it well, works quite well, well. Um, and we should we should also say that daniel was meant to be on with us today but he he got the time wrong and we just well, the don't, day wrong oh, yeah, the, day, the day wrong and we just don't know where he is so he might come on the podcast uh, he might still just drop in but we just we just don't know um he's probably doing something really important in vickery so um probably tom a little question from patron andrew uh he writes i know that things have moved on but when tom is back can jamie ask him if he watched the coronation please potentially another classic irreverent moment in the making i said to him that i imagined you didn't watch the coronation is that right tom I, I I watched the highlights. The highlights. What? The, what, what were the highlights? The crowning and uh, yeah. The, so the, I, I, I went. I went and found the highlights program afterwards uh, because I just because otherwise it was very hard to talk to people about what happened because they did, they did keep asking me. So I, I made sure I'd seen the bits which I needed to see. Okay. So so specifically, what were those bits? The crowning, presumably. Uh, the the uh, the anointing, the crowning. Yeah. The anointing. Yeah. It. <laughs> right. Okay. What about the sermon? 
No, I didn't bother. You didn't. I read, didn't... I read, I read, I read the text. Okay. And I thought uh, there's not much point. Uh, sort of uh, yeah. watching watching that. <laughs> I th- I, yeah, I, I thought it was remarkably kind of word word salady. You know, um, even for a kind of official kind of Church of England state sermon, it was. It seemed to be. Do you ever do you ever get that? I mean, I'm really co- I'm really cognizant of that when I when I'm preaching. Is is if you if you don't. I'm, you know, I'm just talking about myself here, but do you ever get that sort of feeling where you think, um, you know, what I'm doing here is I'm just saying a load of words and then there's not necessarily very much substance to them. And uh, sometimes, you know, I, I I sort of find myself in that place and I sort of think, oh, I need to go back and, and sort of work out a bit, be a bit more specific here about. Well, well, you should always, when you're preaching, like have a, some sort of te- teleological kind of idea of what, what, what do you want the people who you're preaching to, to walk away with? Yeah. Yeah. And if there's nothing, then you know, you scrap the lot, basically. Yeah. Not, <laughs> I've, got, I've got nothing to I've got nothing to offer. Nothing to say. Uh sorry. Uh, yeah. no, but there's there's always something to say. There's always something useful to say. I, I don't know. It was it was kind of inoffensive. Uh I thought the same. you probably talked about it already. Um Can you can you remember any of it? Uh yeah, I well I commented a couple of times about his his assertion that the Christ's throne was the cross and right. his regalia were his wounds. Uh I mean Yes and no is what I say to that basically because his, his throne is his throne, isn't it? Like he, that's the whole point of the ascension. Like he is enthroned on high, in in a throne, and and the sort of the throne of the king is is an echo of of that throne. And the monarchy, is, as we see it in earth, is an echo of Christ's monarchy in heaven. Uh, if you know, um, yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, and so he is, you know, glorified. He's, he's not sort of. Uh, so you know, I'm, I'm, the problem with the sort of uh, his throne was the cross sort of thing is it is it kind of you end up with an ever suffering second person of the of the deity. You, you, you're not properly separating out um, the incarnation from the eternal word. Uh, you you end up with a sort of because uh, you, you can't say that the word was crucified as the word. The word was crucified as Jesus, you know, as a human. Yeah. So, so it's and, and he's enthroned as a human, but he's not enthroned on the cross. He's enthroned on the throne. I don't know. It just seems a bit like yes, there's, there is a point there about a suffering servant king, uh, for sure. And there's loads to talk about that, um, like in mythology as well. Uh, like I'm thinking of the Fisher King, for example, whose wounds are the wounds of the um, the wound of his infertility is the wound of the infertility of the land in the Arthurian legend. Uh, but uh, and, and, you know, there is sort of there's meat to to, to think about the, the sort of suffering nature of being a servant. But I just I'm not certain that I would say that Christ is in, was his, that his cross was his throne. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a kind of rhetorical thing, isn't it? I mean, it's it's I mean, I don't know whether this was in Welby's mind, but it's it's definitely a theme in John in the Gospel of John. You know, this thing about the Son of Man being lifted up. It's yeah, and being glorified and all this kind of stuff on the cross. Well, I was it's definitely something that comes. Well, across it's not him. always say on the cross, though, does it? It's whether whether he's referring to the ascension or no, whether no, he's, no, no. he's definitely referring to the cross in the, oh. in, the in the high priestly prayer. Uh, we we, we, right, yeah. to, we we could go into this in Uncolored, I think, Tom, uh, in in a bit more detail, maybe, um, <laughs> if 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 that would be of interest to anyone. But um, no, I, mean, I think it definitely is a theme. I mean, in um, John three fourteen and fifteen, I know this is fresh in my mind because I've just been preaching about it. Um, you know, as the serpent was lift, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that whoever believes in Him is it's 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 certainly talking about the cross. Um, yeah, well. Yes, that one is certainly. Uh, but 
and and in the high priestly prayer it is as well in, in john 17 i'm, I'm, I'm sorry but, but, else, but elsewhere the well, elsewhere in the bible the, the cross is the curse of course uh as we, we get in yeah uh, it's, 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 it's ambivalent um, it's amb- there's an ambivalence uh, and I, I agree with you and that that's one of the things about the whole thing about just emphasizing emphasizing the incarnation where i think you're i think you're dead right about that it's a very easy thing to just emphasize the incarnation isn't it because it's all about like service and giving and blah 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 and it's not about judgment it's not about it's you know the 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 question of like sin and for um, repentance um, can can quite easily not be foregrounded and so on. So I think I think you're right. I think you're right about that. And I think you're right to say that you know it's the the cross. If you talk about the cross as a throne, it needs to be understood that that's not exclusively what Christ's throne is. But Christ actually has a throne in heaven as well as the kind of ruler. You know the sort of pantocrator, pantocrator, yeah, pantocrator. Is that is that the right word? The ruler over uh, all things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I agree with that. I agree with that. Anyway, so, uh, so this theological nuance, I mean, I, I sort of accept that you can't get much theological nuance into a five-minute sermon, but he seems to get an awful lot of words into a five-minute sermon that didn't really add anything. Uh, so, uh, and, and, and to, to sort of strip the monarchy down to just a service is, I think, uh, improper. Well, it's sort of... Um, it's, it's a bit like this. I mean, the thing that really irritated me about the whole thing was was his redefining of the coronation oath, uh, really, to to be a protection for all religions rather than which it, which it isn't. Which it, what it is 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 an affirmation publicly and centrally to the to the government of England that the of the true Protestant religion of England. Um, we did we did have that though, didn't we, in the service? Yeah, yeah. We, we you did, did have we, it, but you did have the thing about Protestantism. I mean, that's yeah, that no, no, he, yeah, but the, the, the Welby did a waffly sort of inclusive uh, kind of um, introduction to it to try and redefine it. All oh, right, uh, I see what you mean in his sermon itself, yeah. Well, no, in in, in, the, in the introduction to the oath, oh, did he? Uh, yeah, I don't, maybe I wasn't. Maybe the, one of the children was jumping on me. Or anyway, like that. The answer is the answer is that um, that I watched bits of it, but not live. Okay, great. Well, that's uh, that's a good answer. Um, shall we do? Um, shall we do some scripture, Tom? Um, some more scripture, yes. More, well, it's all about it's all about the Word of God, isn't it, Tom? It the, is indeed. Yeah, it is. The Christian no, religion. No, that's good. The Christian religion uh, has you know, the Bible is quite important. I don't know whether you, you know this, but some people seem to not not realise this. Um, I thought it'd be good to read a bit from one Corinthians three today. Uh, just some uh, some verses I've been meditating on. Um, just as a kind of theme for this sort of, uh, I'm I'm thinking of it like a wrap up episode, you know, not not like rap as in like gangster rap, but as in you know just kind of a sort of summary of, of some of the things that have come up over over the two and a half years. We've been doing this for two and a half years, Tom. Now this this podcast is as old as my my daughter, and um, I love it about you know three quarters of as much. I don't know half as much. <laughs> Not yeah, it's just a joke. Nowhere near as much. Sorry, sorry. Um, okay, right. Um, should we do a prayer? Yep. Okay. Um, do you want to do the prayer today? You you go ahead, Jimmy. Should I do it? Okay. Yeah. We say I do the Lord's prayer. So, uh, if people would like to pray with me, uh, with us, then please do. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Okay, just a short, short uh, passage here from 1 Corinthians 3. It's just beginning in verse 5. 
<clears throat> this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom he believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labour. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. I like that passage. I think it's really nice uh, imagery, uh, particularly the bit where the Apostle Paul says in verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. And um, I think it was a it's a good thing to think about at this time because uh, we've seen uh, really uh, amazing things uh, happen uh, through this through this podcast. And um, you know, when we started off, Tom, I don't know whether you remember. I'm sure you do because it wasn't that long ago. But we were just two two curates uh, who thought, well, let's try and do a podcast. We made a couple of faltering efforts. Uh, I've, the, still, I've uh, still got them on my computer, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. I should really should I should send them over to you someday. Um, yeah, well, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, the reason we didn't release there was a reason we didn't release them, wasn't there? So, I mean, they were it, quite angry, but yeah, they're, um, they're angry and probably not not very good quality. But I remember you saying in the first one that you expected like our viewing figures to be in the teens, um, so uh, and that you know may have been a reasonable expectation at the time. But anyway, it's just it's just uh, for me. I've just been reflecting upon. We the the amazing responses we've had and and how I think this podcast really has had a, has a really positive effect on lots and lots of people and helped them to to um, to draw close to Christ. We've got an amazing email, one of my favourite emails ever uh, today from a from a fourteen year old lad uh, who which we'll we'll read read out later. But I think um, one of the things this passage causes us to reflect upon is that when people are drawn close to Christ it's it's through the work of the Holy Spirit and it's God's work uh, that 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 makes this happen you know planting and watering and what we're we're to do not just as priests but but all Christians are to do this you know to 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 sow the seed as it were to give people an opportunity to draw close but ultimately it's God who works in people's hearts and I think particularly and we'll talk about it later the Laura Dodsworth um uh essay made me think about this where she's talking about going to church and finding these churches kind of just preaching about climate change and things like that um i don't know i don't know why the church is is in the situation it's in where this is so common but as i've said before in this podcast i think that there is a, a sense in which this is often a sort of lack of you know a lack of confidence in the message of Christianity, and one of the things that I hope that this podcast demonstrates is that when you do, just you know, imperfectly but but confidently and and without dissembling, speak the truth and present the truth to people, then to lots of people it's a very attractive thing, and they want to they want to come they want to they want to respond to it. So I hope that I hope that if if we if we do anything here, we we demonstrate that to to some extent um so just reflect on that really tom i don't know whether you've got any thoughts no it's, i think it's a great uh, a, yeah uh, a great reflection jamie um one Corinthians is sort of written to a church in quite deep trouble it's uh it's split it's factionalized there are people doing very immoral things who are a part of it there are people who are um who are uh, who are in desperate need of guidance and paul's unifying thing is is god you know and and christ uh it's not him you know mm. it's not what he does it's not what apollos did it's not cephas uh peter um but it's god 
and what he did for us in Christ Jesus. Um, and so, you know, when, you know, when, when you reflect on the state of the church today and the state of society, uh, I think that's a healthy place to, pl- to place our hopes, you know, God mm. will work uh, through us uh, and we just need to make sure, you know, there's, there's a wonderful bit earlier where Paul says, you know, it's not because of my great rhetoric. It's not because of, uh, you know, my great arguments um, that people are coming to Christ, but because I demonstrate in my life and through my words, the power of Christ crucified in me. And, you know, that's, that's, that's wonderful. Uh, when people realize that, that what, what Christianity is about is not working to please uh, a God who is, um, you know, who, who is, who is to be t- terrified of, but rather to receive gratefully the grace of a God who has, who has come to this earth on our behalf. Um, that court is such an attractive message, and all we need to do is say it faithfully. Mm. Um, all you need to do is say it faithfully and live it as faithfully as you can. Not, I mean, obviously, everyone falls short of that because we're all fallen humans. But um, you know, that's that's the core. And I think, and I think. I think that's what this podcast has been about, isn't it? From the very beginning, it's just, you know, how can we respond faithfully to what we see around us uh, with integrity? And uh, gradually, as we've, as the podcast has evolved, you know, with our scripture, the first few didn't have sort of such an obvious sort of scripture sort of section, you know, didn't have an obvious prayer section. Uh, as, as we've sort of structured, what we've structured the podcast around is like, a, this is trying to make sure that we are starting at the point that we encounter God in his word and, and, and letting that blossom out into the world around us. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, think, I don't think yeah. the early episodes had any structure at all. They were just, they were just us kind of venting. <laughs> well, they, they were, when I, even talking like when we restarted it in that November, the, uh, the second lockdown, um, <coughs> uh, fear of death or something was the first one, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, there, there was quite a bit of scripture in that one. There's loads of scripture, but uh, but just not so structured. But you know, as we've come to build that structure, um, that liturgy, you could almost call it, um, it's been effective. It's been powerful. Like you know, we've, I think that that God has done wonderful things, and I know that from the stories we receive, it always heartens me to to know that what we're doing, people are finding faith, they're coming to Christ, they're being reinvigorated. Uh, they're finding each other, um, building communities. Um, yeah, they're they're finding that unity that Christ prayed for. Um, so, um, say so yeah, it's wonderful. It's been a real privilege. Yeah, it's been a great thing. And I suppose to sort of link it into our first study because we're going to talk um, first story, sorry, because we're going to talk about this article that's appeared in the um, Telegraph saying that the lockdown had no benefit. Uh, comparative to the damage it caused. I think one of the things, the 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 way what we're talking about ties into that is that um, the, when the church is all shut down, when the COVID situation happens, uh, many people felt that the church was really off message, or at least that it sort of revealed um, a slightly strange uh, emphasis in the church, which was that it wasn't so much about uh, the gospel, the scripture, uh, about Christ and eternal life and things of this sort, but it was actually all about 
the imminent conditions of our social environment, about ameliorating dangers and protecting people on a sort of physical level, and that this was more important than the actual message that church has had, at least traditionally, which is which is obviously about Christ and, and about right. eternal life and I, that sort of uh, old fashioned I always remember um, reading quite early on about the church's response to um, the 1918 influenza plague, which was like considerably more serious than COVID. I mean, orders of magnitude more serious, killed millions. The, the Spanish of Spanish flu. The Spanish the Spanish flu, uh, and um, there was a there was a sort of it was muted. Should we should we shut down social gatherings? Uh, or or restrict them at least and, and the answer was no we shouldn't because people need the church to um you know to get, bring them hope and comfort at these times and that you know there's there's a real wisdom there uh whereas our leaders and, I, and as far as i can tell our bishops as well essentially said yeah it's just not essential to have have, have the spiritual catered for you know it's something that can just be dropped from 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 the essentials of humanity because you know that's essentially what they're saying isn't it they're saying you know what we need is food so the supermarkets are going to stay open yeah and, and, that's and we were allowed to do food banks in our buildings as well rooms, yeah uh, but you know there's no so but you know it's it's it, the words of christ came to mind over and over again you know man cannot live by bread alone but by every word that comes forth out of the mouth of god you know there's there's uh you know, he's, he's, we're cautioned against that sort of reductionism uh, in the gospel. Mm. Yeah, and, and, uh, and, and, and in fact, what Christ said was the opposite, wasn't it? You know, don't fear what hurts you, but fear, you know, hurts you physically, but fear what hurts you spiritually, what can hurt your soul. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and so all in all, you know, what, what we saw was it was a, was was a situation where the leaders of the church didn't complain where the churches were forced to close but off licenses were allowed to stay open you know yeah. so you could go and get your vodka you could go and buy yeah. a bottle of wine perfectly legally but you couldn't receive of the body and blood of christ uh and um and it was you know it was it was the fact that the, that our senior leadership didn't say anything was just shocking. Um, well, not shocking, really. It's far too believable now, isn't it? Uh, but yeah. um, then yeah. it felt rather, you know, shocking. Yeah. And that that was that was it was awful. Um, and I mean, it'd be interesting to discuss your thoughts on this article, Tom. So this article has kind of appeared on the fourth of June in the Telegraph, where um, it's uh, the the headline, as I said, lockdown benefits a drop in the bucket compared to the cost landmark study finds and then there are it it, it quotes a scientist from john hopkins university and lund university uh, in I mean, sweden i think and so yeah. basically basically it's saying just let me just summarize it for a sec um the findings suggest that lockdowns in response to the first first wave of the pandemic when compared with sweden less strict policies prevented as few as 1700 deaths in england and wales uh, in an average week, there are around eleven thousand deaths in England and Wales. So, so comparatively, not very many. One of the things, just before you come in, Tom, just one of the things I'd like to point people towards, and I'll put this in the show notes, is Peter Hitchens' article on this as well. Um, and he makes the point that this is, you know, he's not going into the details or anything, but he's saying it's very, very hard to say 
you know how to how to actually weigh these these costs against each other because for example we don't actually know how to define a covid death and we never did uh, we don't we can't really precisely count how many patient cancer patients died because covid restrictions were postponed uh we don't we can't we can't um, evaluate or measure uh, the damage caused by pe- to people who had their schooling and university courses messed up um you know inflation taxes destroyed businesses uh people older people being forced to stay at home kids with autism having their lives disrupted etc 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 you can't actually weigh the damage that the lockdowns did so even though this this study is sort of ostensibly saying something which is sensible when you make the comparison with sweden it still doesn't give you an accurate sense of what actually happens during that time so obviously i'd welcome this i mean i do have questions as to why this is coming out now but um really it's not just about how many people died it's about the 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 catastrophic society-wide destruction that was wrought as a as a as a result of these these unbelievably foolish and hubristic measures that were that were taken and then hitchens has a graph about halfway down his piece where there's a lot there's a comparison with sweden and just on well two graphs and just on those we just you know we had way worse death figures anyway from covid ostensibly i mean you know obviously there's a question of how to count the covid deaths but even if you even if you accept that we knew how to do that roughly we still perform way worse so this was just a terrible thing and you know just one further thought sorry tom i know i've spoken a lot one further thought is we can't change the past obviously but my hope is that anyone listening to this including people in the church of england maybe even bishops in the church of england would think well if anything happens like this again we're going to be far more robust in actually questioning it and and asking whether this kind of thing is necessary and wise than just to go along with it. So go on, Tom, I've said a lot there. No, no, well, I hope so. I mean, I think one of the points he makes is you're unlikely to change anyone's mind through this. And that's kind of, uh, you know, there'll be another study coming out probably from, I can, I can always sense the the tap tapping of Professor Ferguson's fingers, you know, <laughs> independent study coming out to declare that it saved us from 43 billion deaths or something, you know, uh, yeah. that he's the saviour of the world. You know, it, uh, and ultimately, um, uh, most of the costs are, are intangible. You know, who can who can who can really um, say what what the costs of say if, if the, the 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 reduction in life expectancy of a couple of years of, of everyone who was alive now uh, due to the economic downfall? You know, which is likely to happen. You know, we're likely to fall away on average from from our from our pre COVID highs. They already are. They already on a down downward slope. Uh, you know, what, what's the cost of that compared to the cost of death? It's, it's all impossible to add up. All we know is is that well, in the end, what we can say is that fear was deployed against common sense, and that the the the, the long long enjoyed liberties of this island were traduced to nothing and, and rendered ineffective and the, the government found a new lever to pull and like all governments when they find the lever they pulled it repeatedly without any concern for the damage they did um it was groupthink. there was uh, active um uh sort of uh suppression of the right to free expression uh and um and a lot of it should never have happened whether or not I mean that's the thing whether or not that you know only saved 1700 or whether it's saved 1000 you know 170,000 you know 
uh, it, you know, either these things are the things that were destroyed were, were liberties won through the blood of our ancestors, you know, um, and and enjoyed uh, by the right of being a freeborn Englishman for, for for generations, you know. So, you know, in one sense, if we if we pin our hopes on you know one uh, one study after another. Which you know, no one's going to be convinced. And you know, I mean, for example, this study claims that masks had an eighteen yeah, percent effectiveness. You know, I mean, I mean, that's that's another study that we we cited a few months ago uh, by by um, the Cochrane said that it had a had a much less lower effectiveness. Which one's right? Uh, you know, are we prepared to say this one's completely accurate except for about masks or or what? You know, so it you know it's it's, it's sort of tempting to to crow uh, about you know being. Um, being um being right all along and to take a sort of sort of uh enjoy that sort of sense of uh being being prophetic voices but actually in practice you know the whole thing is still a disaster and will still come to affect us for years to come and uh and um almost regardless of, of what all these scientific reports are saying um i don't know yeah, uh, it, is, it is quite strange, though, that it's coming out now, isn't it? And I do think that um, I was listening to uh, them, just uh, Toby Young and, and James Dallingpole discussing this on London Calling. And it is it is strange. Um, for example, you know, this bit here, <clears throat> the Telegraph recently revealed that a secretive government unit worked with social media companies during the pandemic in an attempt to curtail criticism of controversial lockdown policies. The COVID disinformation unit monitored social media and asked tech companies to remove posts it considered to be <clears throat> potentially harmful. That was released. I think it was it was a couple of weeks ago that that was released. Uh, no, it was it was only the second of June. But Dellingpole makes the point, and I think quite rightly that we've known about this for absolutely ages. Um, you know, I've got Laura Dogsworth's. I've got her book here, State of Fear, where she goes into all of this stuff. And this was published in when was this actually published? Twenty twenty one, wasn't it? Yeah, middle of the, um, it was in twenty twenty one. Third lockdown. Yeah, it was in 2021. So we've known about that for two years. So it is strange that The Telegraph is only publishing this now and it's only publishing, you know, this this study now. Um, and I do think, you know, I'm not saying I understand what, what is going on, but it's it's clearly serving some kind of agenda to to publish this now, whether it's just the newspaper protecting yeah. it, I don't really know. But but, it's, but also it's, it's I, I do I do there are, I have a certain amount of cynicism about this and I don't I don't feel like you know, I agree with you, Tom. I don't want to just produce this and sort of crow about it and say, well, look, we were right all along because I don't think it's really proves anything. I think it was obvious when it was happening. It was obvious at the start. Um, if people if people look at the look at the, the arguments for and against doing this, it should be obvious. We don't we don't need this information. Anyway, sorry, Tom. Uh, well, and, and, and sort of. Uh... I guess I guess the Telegraph needs to really one thing it needs to, that they need to come clean about is whether um and it'd be really interesting to know is whether there was any government pushing on on the on the on them, and I suspect there was. They've well, they had they had the, the advertising money, didn't they, from yeah. the government? Lots of money. Um, uh, that's we, one way. I mean, they need to, uh, they still still take the, the they've still got their World Health uh, sponsored by the Bill Gates Foundation pages. Uh, like uh, Paul Lukey appears to have gone, which is a, it's a jolly good thing. Uh, <laughs> but um, who is that? You know, Paul Newkey, who used to edit the global health part of the Telegraph, they still have the occasional article. Uh, it's yeah, sponsored okay. and um, uh, usually are not allowed any comments because of the 
uh, yeah. the sheer negativity <laughs> that the papers paid subscribers show towards it is it is health. funny though the comments on the telegraph they're they're almost actually worth worth it more than you know that yeah there's, there's the a really articles. lovely there's a sort of rear guard action by a chap called adam hill who's been there for years right. who's like the big world's biggest uh, it's probably neil ferguson actually the world's biggest uh <laughs> i bet it is uh lockdown uh advocate uh anyway right. you know it's it's um you know, the, the the whole period is just failure after failure. I mean, there's there's also coming out recently is um, the millions were lost that just lost projects that never worked, just uh, constantly failing, spending money, you know, destroying uh, our our livelihoods over over something which um, it, you know was was a was a was a nasty bug and would have you know certainly led to many deaths more than a usual flu year but was not world ending yep yeah yeah something something uh is going on here isn't it tom i don't know why i don't know why the telegraph has decided now to jump on the you know to really put its weight behind the anti-lockdown uh bandwagon but it's about three years too late isn't it really about um, that yeah about three years too late. So uh, thanks, thanks for that telegraph, and uh, we hope that. Um... To, to be to be fair to the telegraph, they did host the most them in the mail, the most critical argument articles at the time. So they had people like Janet Daly, you know, who was quite um, on the whole fairly critical, but you know, not nowhere near as critical enough. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, Tom, should we move on to talk about Laura's article because I think it's really, I think it's really. It's it interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, Laura's article is on her Substack, um, which you find at lauradodsworth.substack.com, and you'll have to subscribe to her Substack for £5 a month to read the whole thing. But it's called The Church of England's Road to Davos Moment. It's really it's really sad in some ways to read it because Laura um, says, you know, through the through the writing of her books, State of Fear and New Book, For Your Mind, and the societal and governmental response to COVID, uh, it caused her what she calls a mini existential crisis when she realised how flawed human beings were, um, that her family, friends, work have helped her in her life, but she found herself wanting more spiritual nourishment. And so she decided to go to church uh, regularly and then she talks about how the Church of England, what she found was that the Church of England has a net zero obsession, that it seems to worship the number zero instead of God. Uh, there's an, And she talks about how on the Church of England website, there's an article to, uh, answering the question of why Christians should cut down meat on Fridays. And they say that it's a great way for anyone who wants to respond to the climate emergency. The Church of England is also considering human composting and aquamation which is water water cremation as a green alternative uh, to help it meet its net zero target. Water cremation involves the body of the deceased being liquefied in a solution of water and a strong alkali compound such as potassium hydroxide. It's like something out of Breaking Bad, isn't it? Bones are placed in an oven and turned to ashes while the liquid remains drained into the sewer system. I mean, John, you could almost say that this is a description of what the Church of England is doing to itself. Um, <laughs> the bones are placed in an oven and turned to ashes while the liquid remains drained into the sewer system. In human composting, bodies are placed on a bed of organic material such as wood chips, which speeds up decomposition and produces soil. The idea of rushing the human body into mulch is unlikely to hold much appeal to most people who prefer rituals which venerate their loved ones. The idea is frankly revolting. Uh, nature and grief must follow their own uh, place. The idea 
I mean, to be fair on that note, um, I mean, I, I don't advocate for either of those things. But um, one thing that is slowing down natural decomposition is is this uh, is embalming. Most 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 um, people in these days are embalmed by the undertakers. Um, are they? Yeah, um, in order to, but because there's such a long time between um, yeah, death and, and burial these days, they have to be to preserve to some degree. And um, that, that is disgusting, uh, though, isn't it? I mean, the idea of having your body liquefied in a solution yeah, I, of water but and, the point and is that if, hydroxide. You, know, you used to you used to have your your burial like within three days of the death for a very good reason, and you know because it doesn't take very long for the human body once buried to 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 decompose it's just a, but it's a natural sort of integrity to the body which does speak I mean, that's why you get you know that one that wonderfully uh go back to gospel of john you know when he goes to to lazarus you know he's been there three days and his body already there's already a stench of death you know he stinketh um, that's what it says he, he stinketh uh yeah uh yeah. that's sort of um all about it, isn't there um present tense there the king james yeah. version uses the present tense of the original greek uh, historical present he stinketh um yeah yeah absolutely but the reason that christians i mean w- the way you bury your dead indicates something about what you actually believe doesn't it yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason the reason christians don't traditionally cremate bodies although obviously lots do nowadays is uh because we believe in the resurrection of the dead and that the body is a yeah. sacred thing that will be raised the, bod- the bodily resurrection yeah exactly so so we don't do we don't um do that traditionally and um you know the this is just a further kind of this is a this is an even more sort of horrible way of disposing of a human body isn't it like um well certainly uh, like the idea of draining yeah yeah draining the body into the sewers could as well be uh yeah uh, yeah turn into uh, turn into ashes while the liquid remains drain into the sewer system good as well I just I mean, presumably then discharge without treatment into one of our mini rivers. Lovely. <laughs> you end up end up drinking them through your through your water supply. Uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury seems to be consumed with climate fear. Um, he, this is a quote from him: "As global leaders gather at COP27, the world holds its breath." He told the audience in a modern-day fire and brimstone speech: "A world which has this year suffered further catastrophic flooding, drought, heat waves, and storms. A world already in crisis. A world which knows that we are perilously near to the point of no return." Uh, he talks about global floods, etc., which do, of course, cause just trauma and economic hardship around the world. But she says it's a strange focus for the C of E. The ONS tells us that one death was registered as a cause of flooding in England and Wales between 2013 to 2021. There were, however, 4,859 deaths related to drug poisoning in England and Wales in 2021 alone, the highest number since records began in 1993. Homelessness research demonstrates that there was a 1,313, sorry, there were 1,313 deaths of homeless people in 2022, which is an 85% increase on the numbers three years earlier. Uh, she says the physical and spiritual suffering of homeless people and drug users don't seem to merit the same concern from our country's leading spiritual uh, clerics. And, and it's very, it's very odd because you know the IPCC are doing their damnedest to tie, uh, to tie, you know, se- serious weather to climate change, and, and yet they they haven't, they haven't been able to, you know, there, there's no, there's, you know, things like hurricanes. There's no, there's no trend in mm. hurricanes there's no trend in serious weather there's you know yes there are more they happen further catastrophic flooding simply because we, we continue going forward in time you know as you go forward in time the chances of such things happening gradually increases towards one 
Yeah. So therefore, you know, there's always going to be further flooding, drought, heat waves, and storms. There always have been flooding, drought, heat waves, and storms. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, she continues, we are carbon-based life forms. The human body is comprised of about 12% carbon atoms. It is inherent to us, just as the tendency to evil lies in all human humans encapsulated in the religious concept of original sin. A church that has replaced God with zero is, of course, more concerned with reducing carbon emissions than with unfashionable ideas of sin. The new religion has reinvented abstinence, penance and sin, but offers none of the redemption of the old religion. I think that's very. I think it's very pertinent, and I don't. I, I don't really have very much to add to that, even just except just to highlight it. Um, what are we? It's actually, a good article, isn't it? What are we? What are we advocating as a church? Uh, are we advocating the gospel? Are we telling people to repent and believe in Christ? Or are we telling people to, you know, stop using plastic and 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 bring the world back from the brink of environmental disaster? It's a. It's a different gospel, isn't it, Tom? It really is. But it's, it's not the gospel, is it? I mean, there's no real good news behind it. Yeah, it's there? not. It's not a gospel, is it? It's uh, what so, would be like the opposite of a gospel, uh, like a, um, a sort of mal spell, an evil spell. You know, like it's it's, it, it's just ne- it's just it's just it's a religion of works. Um, it's a religion. Of, yeah. It's a religion of good works. Uh, there's no forgiveness. Uh, there's no hope. It's just it's just so negative and. Um, yeah, then she talks about the, the COVID situation uh, quite a bit. Sorry, it's hard, isn't it? Because I don't, I don't want to use the word pandemic because I don't really, I think it's a misleading word. So I don't I don't use it, but saying COVID situation um, is a bit of a mouthful. Um, then she talks about going to church. Uh, she writes, I might as well have been playing woke bingo at a service in one of our country's most beautiful chapels at Evensong. Half the clergy and vergers were wearing masks long after mandates and most normal people had discarded them. The sermon was, sermon was inspired by a Radio 4 programme. We were invited to pray for people with COVID, no other diseases. This is almost unbelievable. Uh, refugees, no other people in death, desperate situations. And there were po- pointed political digs at the Tories. The architecture and song did their, tri- their part to try and lift the congregation's contemplation upwards to the vaults and beyond. But this soul was freighted by the prosaic and political sermon. Uh, the Church of England seems to be trying to appeal to people who will never enter its doors by becoming as irrelevant as possible, and at the same time trying to repel as many actual and curious Christians as possible. Values which are not based on deep inner conviction and experience, but a shallow, unreflecting beliefs. Oh, sorry, but our shallow, unreflecting beliefs are apt to easily sway and bend to a new master, and that is why zero has uh, replaced God. My faith is unchanged, but it's ironic that at the very time I discover I'm interested in the structure that religion can provide. I find the structure to be decaying and hollow. Church is an empty vessel. It has forgotten its values and what it stands for. When we forget what we stand for, we fall for anything. Um, yeah, I mean, I just agree. I agree with all of that. And I think the Church of England is doing precisely the wrong thing by abandoning the Christian faith and witness to the gospel and preaching this new gospel of, of climate change and political correctness and progressive agendas. Uh, and this is exactly what we're talking about, isn't it, Tom? We've got we've got a constituency here of thousands of people who listen to this podcast, started by a couple of irrelevant curates. Uh, you know, we're one of the most listened to Christian podcasts in the UK, uh, with thousands of people who listen to us every week, and um, people emailing us all the time, telling us of their their newfound interest in in the Christian faith. Uh, people coming along to our churches, people going along to other churches, you know, and so on and so so forth. You know, seeing all this fruit from simply um simply being clear about what we believe and, and offering it to people and people respond to it and yet the 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 central church pursues this progressive agenda uh the church is in catastrophic decline um we are 
on on every metric uh, failing as a as a national church and yet there is no sense of well let's stop and reevaluate this and maybe we're in the wrong and we need to return to something a little bit more orthodox and and straightforward and and traditional um it's just it's they're just driving they're just driving the, the bus off the side of a cliff and everyone can see it you know laura is a you know Laura's an intelligent woman. Uh, she's an insightful woman. She's coming in from the outside, and she's she's hit the nail on the head here. And loads of other people see this, and they can even if they can't articulate it as well as Laura, they can sense it intuitively. So why does yeah. it continue? Why do they Why do they turn around? Because they're well, mostly because the, the the leadership over the last fifteen years have been chosen to fall in line with this, haven't they? They've, they've chosen managerial. Uh, yeah, but why has it happened? Is it just the stru- It's just like the sort of crown nomination committees and the the fact that we're the fact that we're increasingly kind of post Christian secular society and the extent to which the Church of England is tied up with that means that we end up with leaders who sort of reflect that. Or I, I just don't know. I think I think we've we've part of it is that we've been so sapped by the, the by the battle over human sexuality. So I think that I think the that the energy to do battle over anything else is going as well, and, and one of those things is yeah, just um, so, so so you get people like Archbishop Welby, um, who who who's purports to be a sort of evangelical Christian, but ha, you know it's quite clear that actually his roots within any particular sort of um, tradition in the Church of England are quite shallow. Uh, and he's he's mostly known as a sort of administrative uh, leader, you know, and, and has appointed administrative leaders to the rest of those posts. And, and the one thing that administrative leaders want is a quiet life, mm. you know. Yeah, they're there, to, they're there to manage property and organisations. They don't want profits. They don't want troublemakers. Yeah, uh, the, the, so- you know. The, the, I wonder as well. I mean, I don't know as much, Tom, but I wonder whether the safeguarding thing has knocked a lot of confidence out of out of the church. Um, so it's quite clear that the church had a, had an abuse problem, doesn't it? Like you know, safe, yeah. some sort of safeguarding overwatch is required. And you know, and I kind of disagree with uh, with our with our um, buy me a coffee lady when she says the church is focused on part of the problem with safeguarding is that the 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 church hasn't bothered to make a, a sort of sacred case for it properly. So we've just imported like a secular safeguarding system without talking about enough, you know, and then put a thin veneer of religiousness on it. But, but you know, it's quite easy to justify a, a lot of it. You know, we, we need to be careful. We need to look after people. We need to make sure that people aren't put in positions where they can abuse others. However, um, you're right. The, the sort of the bureaucratic uh, sort of administrative stuff that goes on top of everything these days and safeguarding is not immune it just saps people's time and energy and inclination to do things. Yeah. And I think that's true. Um, yeah, I do think it's, it's not just, I the, do it's think not just a problem with safeguarding. I have to say, I mean, I don't think the way we're doing it is, is, is right at all. And I think it's actually, what's actually happening is it's being co-opted by a corrupt and decaying system. And it's just being used as another tool of that system's, uh, it's, it's becoming another kind of expression of that system's corruption rather than something well, yeah. that's genuinely I mean, I, helpful and, and protects people. It, what worries me that it's become, uh, 
you know, I, I'm thinking here about Bernard Randall and, and, and you know, the, the, the unnamed safeguarding officer who who basically accused the, his his perfectly orthodox uh, Christian position on uh, on sexuality to be to be a safeguarding risk. You know, uh, that's really dangerous. And and, uh, and and so I look at some of these calls for. Um, you know, in the wake of the scandal that's embraced the, Arch- the former Archbishop of York uh, and the Archbishop, uh, the Bishop of Oxford, uh, for a for truly independent safeguarding, and my worry is that that, that secular safeguarding is in fact hostile to. Um, I think we see this. You know, secular safeguarding is hostile to Christian witness. Yeah, uh, we, we we should be able to have a a Christian expression of it, but we're, we're somehow failing um there's there's also this thing as well i mean we i intentionally chose not to cover that story because i just i just didn't didn't want to really but but one there's also this thing of like historic uh, the historic i don't really know what you call them um uh, historic transgressions of safeguarding rules but a lot of the time it seems to me that those are things which have been those are rules which have been put in place and then have been sort of retroactively applied to things people didn't do in the past like if somebody was supposed to have done x y and z by our standards now our stricter standards then they're sort of reported retroactively now i I, I don't know the details about the archbishop of york or or um, bishop stephen of oxford but it seems to me like a lot of it is just well it's all very it's it's very um it's very mysterious isn't it what's supposed to have happened it's never said like oh well he did he was told this and then he did x y and z it's always they didn't they didn't act to pass on the information they were given to safeguarding authorities is basically what they're being accused of as far as i can tell yeah um we don't know the details we don't know where they pass them on to anything anyone else uh well yeah i mean the system the other problem is that it tends to be is that 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 the higher level uh, sort of bishops and and sort of uh, seem to be able to get away with yeah. uh, things that that would cause CDMs to come crashing down upon parish clergy. Yeah, clergy you know. clergy disciplinary measures, which is a nasty um, it's a nasty thing to happen to clergy where your ministry is essentially uh, suspended and you're investigated because the power is entirely with them. You know, they they, they have the power. There's a power imbalance there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's why I say about it becoming co-opted by the actual system itself and used as a used in a, yeah. as an instrument of its own power, rather than I mean, so for example, a retired retired clergy with permission to officiate, they can just have that removed from them. Um, if if uh, if any kind of safeguarding complaint is made against them at all, they can they don't have any rights at all. Like like we have more rights than them being employed by by the church. They can yeah. just have their PTO removed and and nothing and and without without any kind of appeal or anything. it's just and, and it the, must be the said power that, is so the, yeah. is, the power is so much in the in the hands especially of the diocesan bishops really they've got all the power they have they've got a lot of power uh, there needs to be you know to, the you know the, there's all sorts of power imbalances in ministry and some of them are inevitable uh, they need to be acknowledged uh, or they can become unsafe places mm. um, so so I don't know. Um, Jamie, I mean, they're, they're, why were we talking about that? By the way, I forget. Well, I, I brought it up, but the but the um, we're, we're talking about uh, the church's obsession with with procedural procedural um, yeah things that are sapping the the light. And and I'll just uh, it is one example because when you become a church warden, you're suddenly required to have a number of different qualifications and you know uh, various. Um, you know, uh, DBS and all that sort of stuff, and, and that sort of thing is just—it's—it's it's just irritating. I mean, people are used to it now, but we always forget that you know, 
Um, it, it just wasn't, didn't used to be the case that the sheer amount of, of responsibilities uh, of compliance with things, um, it does put people off volunteering in the church, I think. Yeah. Without any, yeah. Doubt, without any doubt. And it's it's also like, I mean, I'm not saying this is, you know, in a simplistic way, but ultimately legislation and bureaucracy and, you know, background checks and all that kind of stuff, it doesn't make, it doesn't change people's hearts. It doesn't change their intentions. Yeah. And uh, ultimately it's Christ who, who changes our hearts and stops us from being evil people who want to abuse children and, and vulnerable adults so and that that kind of as you say tom you said a bit earlier that the spiritual aspect of protecting people is just completely missed and if we were a church which was actually holy and and sought to live pure lives uh maybe there wouldn't be so many safeguarding scandals i mean just let me just be a little bit controversial here tom um you know if you look at what happened with martin percy who um you know he as far as i as far as i'm concerned he blatantly did stroke this girl's hair in in the um in the vestry at Christchurch cathedral she had no reason to make that up and you know why would she do so she just caused a you know a whole um heap of trouble for herself uh you know martin percy did that um then he then he basically went on a um a, a smear campaign against her all of his friends you know got together and and uh, basically accused her of of making it up uh, and the whole thing is an absolute you know the whole thing is an absolute disaster but but the fact is is if we had a holy church where people were actually you know people actually wanted to be transformed by the righteousness of Christ and and live in line with the the precepts of the gospel we wouldn't have this kind of thing happening as much because people wouldn't be inclined either to do it or to to cover it up but i don't want to be too explicit in what i'm saying though because i don't want to be too slanderous but i hope it's i hope people can read between the lines and and understand what i'm saying yeah. um that makes sense Anyway, yeah. Tom, yeah, let's um, let's do. A I'm, bit I'm of running this. running out of energy here. So let's let's move quickly. Have you got the time for for a bit of this, Tom? Hang on a second. Yeah, oh, go. Okay. On. There we go. We haven't heard that for a while. I hadn't. Sorry, I didn't turn the volume up to begin with. It's time now for question the rev. So two more things, Tom. Okay, and if you can't make it through, then uh, you know just just don't worry, because um, I can I can do it by myself. But let's see. Uh, question the rev. So question rev today ah yes uh the thing about the chosen have you ever watched the chosen tom I've, I've watched the first three episodes i'm enjoying it yeah yeah I, I really like it we watched some last night uh yeah there's been a a um controversy this is uh, this question rev actually comes to us from uh from twitter uh the daily wire uh did a a, a hit piece on uh the chosen because there was a pride flag on set during the filming of the uh fourth uh, season let's see uh, a recent promotional video about season four of the chosen includes a brief uh shot in which a small pride flag can be seen on the set of the show as videographers capture a scene and uh the makers of the chosen were asked about this and they said um <clears throat> just like with uh, this is from their twitter account just like with our hundreds of cast and crew who have different beliefs or no belief at all than we do we will work with anyone on our show who helps us to portray or honor the authentic jesus we ask that audiences let the show speak for itself and focus on the message not the messenger because we'll always let you down um so basically the question is about you know should we still watch this show should we boycott it blah 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 because there was a pride flag on the set uh, about yeah, the price I, of a hand, apparently. To be honest, I, I don't really see what the you know. I mean, when you've got a large organisation creating shows, like there are going to be different people. That it's not like a um, for one thing, 
like we're not talking about protected characteristics here. If, you, if it was in the UK, like you know, certain jobs you can say, I need a Christian for, I need an Orthodox Christian for, you know, for, uh, to be a minister, for example, you know, uh, you can you can expect those things. But if I was employing a cameraman for a service, I could I couldn't make those demands. No, in no. the same way, you know. So so the chances are, in employment legislation, they cannot make the demands their entire staff of the program even though the, the the those who are funding it and running it and the actors and whatnot might well be perfectly orthodox christians they cannot make that demand of say the sound engineers because it's not a protected characteristic uh, in that you know in, in that role uh, and so if a sound engineer has a pride flag and wants to have it waving about uh, it doesn't mean that the chosen itself is um is corrupted by by that mm. um yeah, this is my personal opinion. Like you know, you, you just uh, I think I think they're handling it probably quite well. You know, they got a lot of people. They're always going to let them down. Listen to the message. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I, I think there are quite a lot of people who just seem to be obsessed with the idea that the chosen is is some kind of I don't know some kind of Trojan horse or you know I don't I don't I don't really know. I, I think it it it, it sort of. Um, indicative of this sort of broader cynicism about absolutely everything, which I think is just is just silly. It's not always good. Yeah. So I, I was I was really impressed by. It. I've watched three episodes, and I, I was almost in tears when Jesus, that first episode with uh, with Mary Magdalene uh, having the demons driven out of her. Mm. You know, when Jesus calls her by name. You know, I've called you by name. You know, the, 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 yeah. the, sort of that that that. Yeah. Um, is it the Sharma? I can't remember. Um, uh, it's really no, the Isaiah, isn't it? For, for the book of Isaiah, you know, uh, and you know, and and drives the demons out of her, and, and that sort of narrative. I'm really enjoying that. And and there's this sort of weird little comment at the back, bot, at the back at the bottom here. Um, firstly, about a quote from the Book of Mormon, uh, which is um, oh yeah, it's when Jesus refers to himself as the Law of Moses. Yeah. Now, I, again, I like. I think. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so that's not in the Bible, and it's obviously a, it's it's not quite what we would say about Jesus um, from scripturally. Like, it's not it's not there. Um, but uh, again, I'm slightly unconcerned about this sort of thing. They have to put other words. If they just used the, the words that we have in the Bible, then it would be a very short program. You could probably get it down to about. You can read through Mark in about um, 45 minutes. You know, that's all, yeah. that's all you can do. That's all the text in Mark, you know. Um, <laughs> do, you think, even... do you think also there's a, there's a sort of element of, of, of hypocrisy here? Because, uh, you know, presumably most Christians would say, well, if you were a Christian and you were on a film set and you had a, you know, you had an image of Christ, like on a, you know, you had a necklace with a, with a cross on it or something, you shouldn't be sort of kicked off the film set for having a religious yeah. image, right? So if, if you're going to say that, then... I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not saying it's exactly the same thing, but it's sort of similar, isn't it? It's, it's like yeah. if you've got somebody who's who's on the set wants to promote, you know, pride by having a flag, you know, don't you think it's a bit hypocritical to kick him off the set and and but say, yeah. you know, in other situations, well, I, I, I think I think it'd be. A- I think it'd be actively illegal, probably. Yeah, well, that's you know, another uh, issue, isn't it? It's like they probably can't because they, you know, they probably sue the show and 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 torpedo the whole thing. But I think what what these people are what these people who are advocating for this viewpoint are saying is that basically this this sort of proves that really what the chosen is is some kind of vehicle of the enemy and and nobody should watch it. I just find it hard if you actually evaluate it on the on the strength of the content. I mean, I don't agree with absolutely everything in it theologically, but I think it's I think it's basically really really good. Yeah. And- well, what you have is a, is a is an attempt to retell the story of Jesus 
filling in some of the some of the details from 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 sort of what we know of the context, adding in some stories to make it thrilling and interesting and yeah. moving. It's creative. Uh, it's it's yeah. not it's not scripture. It's it's not. They're not saying watch this to to understand. Uh, Christ. The fact they're saying, I believe it says, read the Bible if you want to understand Christ at the beginning of every single episode, doesn't it? I, uh, well, it says at the end of the first one to read the Gospels. I don't think it says it. Yeah, it's just the first one. You know, so you know, it's it's, it, but it, but what it's a bit like, uh, you know, it, it's it's a it's a creative narrative retelling of some stories from from, from the Gospels, and and it shouldn't be ta- treated as scripture or attempting to be scripture. If they were saying, you know, replace your gospel reading in church with a with a forty five minute episode of the Chosen every week, that's a bit different. But that's yeah. not what they're doing. Yeah, and if the show was actually promoting something that was clearly sort of wrong, you know, anti-Christian. Well, if Christ had been wearing a pride flag, then it'd be a bit different. Christ was transgender. (laughs) If they had a transgender Christ, I think it would be right. Yeah, and people are sort of saying in this tweet we've got here, they're sort of saying, "Well, we need to we need to boycott like." Uh, boycott the chosen like we boycotted target and bud light i just think that's a ridiculous comparison it's nothing like you know they're not they're not selling the pride on the show are they They don't have a transgender man dressed as a woman dancing around trying to sell their product it's completely different you know sounds like awful like like a creative uh worship at cuddleston jamie uh no comment um yeah um, the uh the you know and, and with target they they've got this you know um you know transgender um range for for of clothes for children it's just not the same kind of thing i just think it's a bit silly to jump to that uh anyway so that's my take on it sorry if you disagree and and sorry if you disagree with tom as well we're not really sorry uh this is what we think uh should we do our email tom this is one of the best emails i've ever received um yeah. we've ever received sorry, so go it's go addressed go. to jamie and daniel but i'm sure he just sending it to us because he's emailed this week and we we're on last week i'm sure he means you as well <clears throat> Earlier this year, I discovered the truth in the Bible and Jesus Christ. I'm not entirely sure why I randomly decided to one night pick up my Bible and read Revelation, of all books, from start to finish. Whether it was the Holy Spirit or not, I'm just so glad to realize this truth, uh, sorry, the truth, this early on in my life. I'm 14 years old, and even though my family is Christian, so to speak, we have never been to church except for the occasional Christmas Eve. I asked my mum if we could start going to church, and we did. A couple of weeks in, my mum, dad, myself and my sister were all going to church on Sunday. In me asking for us to do this, my mum and dad really started to re-explore the Christian faith. We all started reading the Gospels and we have now had many chats about the faith, which we never used to have. Is this the work of the Holy Spirit to reignite my family's faith? What would you say? I don't want yes. to this, yeah, oh, yes is the answer. I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to make this email into an essay, but just one more question. How are young people like me meant to combat this modern progressive civilization that we find ourselves in, where on social media people are in a constant battle to be more popular than others and even try and get followers? Even the word followers is like a new religion and change how they look with filters in a hope to get others approval. How would you say a young Christian can combat this and even try and spread the word of Christ without making myself seem like a so-called religious nut? Loving the podcast. Keep up the good work. Joe, love that. Oh, what a great, That's such a, great a brilliant email. email. Fantastic. Yes, thank, you. thank you. Thank yes. you. Thank you, Joe. Well done, Joe. We'll be praying for you. Joe, don't try and do everything at once. Like you're coming into faith, and that's great. You're experiencing a new life in Christ. That's great. You are you are you're reading the scriptures, that's brilliant. You're telling your family about it. That's absolutely fantastic. You're doing the right things. You, however, are not going to solve Twitter. All right. You're not going to solve Instagram. You're not going to solve uh so don't my, my main advice would be like 
don't put the cart before the horses. There are people who, uh, you know, it might well be that you have a long and fruitful ministry deconstructing the postmodernist worlds of of, of social media, uh, but get yourself right first. You know, study the scriptures, go to church, grow in faith, bring your friends to church, tell them about how Christ has changed you, uh, but do it gently and see where it goes through from there. That would be my my advice. Like, don't um, don't try and save the world uh you're you're um you, there'll be plenty of time for that yeah yeah i know i agree tom good advice i think as well like it's good to be to inform yourself as well about so i mean i totally agree you know it's scripture, good to be aware scriptures, to be aware scriptures come first you know read the scriptures daily uh cultivate a life of prayer and, and study the scriptures and christian books uh, theology spiritual books do all that on the one hand and prioritize that and then also, on the other hand, um, you know, learn to read the signs of the times and then bring those two things together. You know, read books about the culture or about the, you know, what is the thing he says, you know, the modern progressive civilization. Read about these things and and listen to interesting things about them and learn about them from a spiritual perspective. And that's what we try and do on this podcast, isn't it, Tom? We try and bring these two things together, you know, not just not just reading the scriptures and, and being Christians, but but applying our faith to the culture as well. Um, yeah. as you say in an appropriate way and obviously prioritizing the spiritual life not allowing yourself to be um so preoccupied with the culture that it starts to pollute your soul and that's something i think yeah. we've all we've all experienced particularly over the last few years to some extent and uh, we all know yeah. when it's getting too much and you have to draw back and go back to the word of god and purify your soul you know like wash yeah. wash yourself in the water of, of scripture right okay cool uh, yeah, well, that's great, Joe. Thank you. But good, good. I, I love well, that. You know, I love. I love also because um, he. Uh, I love it also because we don't. You know, if you look at the demographics of our podcast, they're generally sort of people more sort of middle age and more people our age. We don't have loads and loads of young people who listen to the show, so it's great to to hear from somebody who's fourteen and has come to such a sort of cogent, clear uh, vision of of the faith. So, Joe, that's great, and we really wish wish you all the best, and do stay in touch with us and. And um, keep up with the podcast and keep in touch, uh, you know, through correspondence and stuff. Um, just to say, uh, before we pray to finish, um, please support this podcast. Uh, we're now in a situation where I'm literally about to move and start working on this podcast po part time. And I'm going to be reliant on this podcast for a big chunk of my salary. The church are giving me a house, but no money because I'm working for them part time. So it really, really is very, very important that people support us. If, you, if you've got to the end of the podcast, you've got this far, you must like the podcast. Please do consider becoming a patron of the podcast, which means basically you give a small amount of money each month. So you can give as little as £1.50 uh, plus, plus VAT. Plus VAT in the UK. Or more if you like if you'd like to. You can give more. You could give a tenner. That'd be fantastic. Uh, but you could give £1.50 plus VAT. Uh, and you'll get on our you'll become a patron on our Patreon site. You get the bonus podcast, Uncollared, which is just a little fun podcast, sometimes fun, sometimes a bit serious behind the scenes type stuff. It's an audio podcast that goes to all patrons, regardless of what tier you're on. Um, and you get the episodes early. And um, uh, there are occasionally other bits and pieces as well. But please do consider doing that. If you'd like to become a patron, go to reverendpod.com, scroll down and click on the red button, which says become a patron uh, or patron, whatever it says. Uh, yes, it says join us on Patreon. Um, so click on that to become a monthly subscriber. Thank you to everyone who's done that recently. Or you can uh, buy us a coffee, which is basically just giving us a donation and uh, leaving a little message as well. There's a yellow button that you can click on there to do that. So if you value this podcast, you want to support us in this next 
next step, please go to our website, revenpod.com and support us. Really, that would be very much appreciated in this next step. It's exciting, really excited about this next uh, this next time coming up. Uh, Thomas, um, so I think that's it. Have you got anything else to say, Tom? Nope, not right now. Okay, let's do, uh, should we do the, uh, should we do a um, a prayer? Yeah. I could do the collect for Trinity Sunday. Does that sound all right? Sounds good. Or do you want to do, no, let's do a, let's do a proper prayer. I mean, not the collects aren't proper prayers. I mean, let's just, because it'd be nice to pray and, and thank God and, and pray for Joe as well, wouldn't it? So yeah. do you want to do that or shall I? You go ahead, Jamie. Okay. Uh, dear Lord, we give you thanks for this podcast and for all that you've accomplished through it, for your grace in using our our meagre efforts to reach other people for Christ. And we thank you especially for Joe, and we pray for your guidance, your help, and your blessing to be upon him and for his family as well. Uh, we pray for everyone else we've mentioned today and all the people who have listened to this podcast, that you bless them and draw them to yourself. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Tom. And uh, next time next time I'll be in a different room, Tom. I won't be in my shed anymore. I'll be in another room. I'll be in a study indoors, which will be amazing. Lovely. Uh, see you in a couple of weeks, everybody. And um, thank you so much, as always. Thank you very much. Bye now.